Hey, what's up everybody? Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Today we're going to talk about motivation, um, the, the greatest motivation. You know, I spent uh, more than 10 years in sales and learning, and it's, it's a huge word around the sales industry of uh, motivation. There's many people who, you, they basically run on sheer uh, motivation. They, everything they do, they have to feel motivated. And uh, I remember a time when um, my brother was uh, managing, and I was just one of the guys on the team, one of the assistant managers, and I remember a rep getting upset, and he said, you know, these, uh, you go over the numbers, and then like, uh, even things where people had broken some of the rules, and he would come, you know, discipline, come down and correct people on what they were doing wrong, and this guy stood up and was like, well, I just, I hate these meetings, I don't ever feel motivated, I need you to motivate me to go and sell, um, and there's this, there's this idea where people, like, have this fuel tank, and, and it's, it's a reality of, uh, the motivation will keep the it's the it's the gasoline in the car. You can have a great engine, a great car, but if the motivation is ultimately what is the fuel in the tank that keeps you running. But I want to talk to you from a, a biblical standpoint on the greatest motivation. I had someone in sales um, recently asked me a question, and they said um, uh, they said, "What are some ways to fall in love with your career, no matter what your job is?" And I think this is such a big thing in our um, day and age. And I know we've talked a little bit about this on finding your why and some some practical things, but I think we're going to dive in deeper because I know this is stuff that really hits home for people. But um, uh, there's there's this idea that people have of, first of all, in our day and age, there's this idea that people have of like loving your job. Like you have to do what you love, man, go out and find something that you love and do it. And that's where so many people have like wanted to develop hobbies into careers. You know, I just want to play video games. You know, I'd love to be a professional gamer. You know, oh, I love the travel channel. I'd love to travel for a living. You know, I'd like to have um, uh, Anthony Bourdain's job. You know, I'd like to go be able to go and travel and be a food writer. And, you know, and they look at things like, how can I make vacation? How can I turn a vacation into work? I'd love to go and just like stay at resorts and uh, review them and get paid to review them. And people are like looking for these things that are like the easy things in life to go and do. But the truth is that God has intended it that our work be where our fulfillment comes from. Um, I've said this before, uh, maybe not here on the podcast, but I would rather, if I'm given the choice of uh, be, be born into a family with an inheritance, I'm inheriting hundreds of millions of dollars, and that be my situation and have an easy life I would actually rather not have that because so many times, unless you have the right upbringing, because so many times that can be such a debilitating thing. For some people, their greatest goal would be, man, let's win the lottery, let's retire, and then I can just spend the rest of my life like having adventures, right? And that's their like ultimate goal is like even before they're, they're barely entering the workforce and it's like looking how I can set myself up for retirement. We weren't meant as people to be retired people. Uh, they even say that when people start saying, I'm retiring, their body listens to what you say. It says it in the book of James that the tongue is like the rudder of the ship. Your body actually listens and prepares for that. So a lot of people, when they say, I'm going into retirement, four, five, six years after they retire, their health starts to decline because they're basically letting their body know your purpose here on this earth is finished versus people who maybe retire from their full-time work, but they keep themselves busy. They volunteer. They, uh, you know babysit the grandchildren. They like pick up part-time job. They do something. I remember meeting a gentleman back when I was working and he was like in his late eighties 
and he was retired. He had money, but he said, "You know what I do?" He's like, "I like to gamble. I'm not. Um, I'm not." Uh, putting my stamp of approval on gaming. He's like, we like to gamble. So what I do is I have this job where I paint the lines. He's like, I'm a security cop at a mall. He's in his 80s. Security cop at a mall. And he's like, and then at a part-time job, I have two part-time jobs, security cop at the mall. And then I paint the lines for parking lots. Like I, I have a company where I go out and it's in the middle of the night and we rope sections off. And this is what I do. And this is like an 85-year-old dude, maybe 89-year-old dude who's like active, wiry, still like has that old man strength, but he just made a decision. I'm not going to be the person who like retires and does nothing and watches soap operas all day. But motivation, there has to be a real motivation that clicks in for people and a why, why, why am I getting up in the morning? So I'm going to go through some basic motivation for all people, Christian, non-Christian. And then at the end, I'm going to talk to you about the greatest motivation, which as a Christian, we have at our disposal. Um, but number one, I think uh, one of the biggest motivations, obviously there can be physical motivations. Hey, I'm trying to get a new car. Hey, I'm trying to pay off my debt. There's those things. I'm not going to spend time on those. The, 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 one of the, the top motivations that you can find that'll actually last you a long time is how does this benefit others? We as people are meant to be givers. We're meant to be, especially as Christians, but we're meant to be, uh, we get our fulfillment from doing something that benefits others. There's nothing, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. And that's actually a real principle, whether you're a Christian or not. Like there's something about being a person who gives and, and does something more than your, for more than yourself. And so having something where you can, um, Uh, look and say, how does my work help other people? So many people are focused on their own goals that they aren't able to uh, see other, they aren't able to see past what they're trying to do with their own life. And and it never impacts anyone else. There's a book that I read that talked about this, but it talks about how doctors a lot of times can just see their work as a job, right? But people who go out and they work hard, but their, their work is just to pay off their student debt, it's to have a good house. It's nothing beyond themselves. But start by asking yourself, how does this help other people? Where does this help? Who is benefiting from my work? If you're selling a product, what is the reach on my product? How is it helping? Even if it's something like cable TV, hey, how does this help other people? It helps people. Um, that's a good one. You may have to ask yourself. You may have to dig deep for that one. But hey, I'm providing um, uh, people who are from out of the country, people who are immigrants. I'm providing them a link back to their home. You know, we have channels that link to whatever. But finding that motivation. So that would be number one. How does this help other people? Number two, what is this building in me? This is such a huge one. My brother's always talked about this, but keeping an attitude of growth. When you feel like you need to be perfect, and I've talked about this before, but when you feel like you need to be perfect, nothing but perfection will do. And even perfection doesn't bring any joy because it's just what you were supposed to do, right? If you're like a 3.2 GPA student and you get a 3.2, you're like, well, that's just what I do. Anything above that will be joyful. But if you're a 4.0 GPA student and you get a 4.0, it's like there is no room to rejoice. So allowing yourself to look and say, what does pushing through build inside of me? And this doesn't even have to be with your work. It's even like things like physical exercise, things like dieting, people who can stick to their word and say, you know what, for 30 days, I'm not doing any sugar and can stick to their word. Sure. There may be some weight that they lose. There may be some health benefits, but ultimately becoming a person who follows through and a person of discipline is far more valuable. The same discipline that you use to 
you know, I'm not going to do this for uh, two months. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the thing is that you're going after, that creates in you the, the, it actually molds you as a person. So finishing things that are difficult, when I talked about finishing strong, that's such an important principle because people can do things really well 90% and they get to the last 10% and then they just up and leave. I heard someone say, people of faithfulness don't just up and leave. They make sure their position is covered. And so what is this building in me? Um, the next thing is gratefulness. I've said this before. Zig Ziglar said it. Gratefulness is the healthiest of all emotions. Begin to get grateful for the opportunities that you have. I always just would say, man, it could be a lot worse. Uh, man, it could be a lot worse. I could live in Syria. Man, it could be a lot worse. I could have been born in the 1600s. You know, there was no air conditioning in the 1600s. You know, there was no AC. You know what air conditioning was? Catch a breeze, you know? There was no ice cubes in the 1600s unless you lived in like the Antarctica. If you lived in Florida in the 1600s, you, you well, you've probably, that's a different history lesson, so we're going to go back there. But man, we live in an amazing day and age with so many things easily accessible for us. The fact that you can pull up your phone and hear this. I was talking about recipes with someone the other day, and I was like, man, the, the, the fact that we can talk about something and find a recipe for it talk about a food and find a recipe for it before you would have to write somebody and be like, Hey, do you have a, um, or phone call, phone somebody? Hey, do you have a recipe for this? Do you know anyone who has a recipe for this? Can you call around? You know, if there was a recipe, even half the foods that we eat now are from all the way around the world. I remember hearing a story that back in like the fifties, a fact that back in the fifties, you know, someone going, traveling from Florida to New York to, to see family would bring a basket of citrus as a gift. Cause you couldn't just go in the grocery store and pick up citrus because you basically just ate what was local. You know, there wasn't like this, all this shipping across the U.S. It's crazy to think, you know, in Florida, what would you have eaten if you lived in Florida 100 years ago? You would have eaten a lot of citrus. You would have eaten a good amount of veggies. They grow a fair amount of things here. You would have probably eaten gator at some point. You would have eaten chicken. Florida has a good range of things, but there's a lot of things that we eat now. You wouldn't have eaten noodles. You probably wouldn't have eaten pasta, right? This stuff wasn't, there's no wheat farms around here. So if you're getting bread, somehow they were figuring out how to ship the the wheat. So some of these things that we have today, but just being grateful, man, it could be a lot worse. Start to count your blessings in that way. It could be way worse. And so starting looking at that and developing that in yourself where you're going to be a person of gratitude. Maybe maybe something comes around and there's someone who's listening to this and you just had a, a letdown. Hey, I, I, I thought I was going to get this and I got something that was a lot less. Be grateful for what you have. Man, we live in a land of abundance man, I, I don't have the car that I want. I don't have this that I want. I don't have this that I want. Be grateful for what you do have. You know, if you if you live uh, at the poverty line here in the U.S., you are still richer than uh, probably over 80% of the world, maybe more, 90% of the world. You know, up until, um, up until 1895, in today's money, most of, of the West, most of Europe, and this isn't even speaking about the poor places over in um, the East, but most of the West actually lived on a dollar a day or less. And that's in today's money. So imagine that. Imagine if your budget was a dollar. Some of y'all are like, man, I feel like my budget's a dollar a day. But we live in relative abundance from for the time and the place that we're living. So be grateful for what you have. And then the last bit of motivation, and this is the number one way. I'm going to go back to that, that uh, text message that I got from that friend, but go back to the way that... Um, uh, he said, what are some ways to fall in love with your career no matter what the job is? And this was my response. I said, the main way is to connect it to eternity. 
The truth is, as believers, God actually begins to implant eternity in our heart. And this is where the presence of God is so important. If you're in a church or you're in a place where the presence of God is not a priority, where the Holy Spirit is not able to move, you're robbing yourself of really the steam of life, the motivation of life, the fuel of life, is letting God implant eternity in your heart. Jesus said, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord. And there's another verse that says, do everything um, for the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that your reward comes from him. Ultimately, when that time comes and we stand before him, there's going to be rewards in heaven for us. Did you know that every time you give into an offering, every time you're, you're, uh, you're giving into the kingdom of God, you're investing your time, you're telling people about Jesus. The Bible even says giving a a cold glass of water to a, a child of God, that you're actually storing up treasure for yourself in heaven. Man, that's such a promising thing. Besides the things that we reap back on this earth, besides the, the harvest that we reap back on this earth, there is eternity being stored up for us in heaven. That God has set this up, that our very short time here on this earth, our 80, 90, 100 years, it's not even going to... Um, begin to compete with the reality that for all eternity, outside of time, for all eternity, that there's going to be rewards for us, that there's going to be a treasure. God wants to implant eternity on your heart. Begin to ask the Lord when you pray, Lord, make eternity. Don't do it right now. When you write it down, don't actually pray that right now. Write it down. And when you go into your next prayer time, Lord, implant eternity in my heart. Implant eternity in my heart and begin to see what God does. When you have the motivation for heaven, that that eternity, every day you wake up, why am I doing this? You know, you can actually link everything. Why do I, why am I running in the morning? Why am I going and trying to keep in shape? Why? Well, ultimately, I want I want my body to last a long time. That if Jesus doesn't come back when I'm 50, that I've got a body that lasts. I don't want to be taken out. Why did I lose weight? Man, my knees started to hurt when I was 21. I started to have ankle problems and knee problems. That's going to be an issue. If I want to be 80 and preaching the gospel, knee issues don't just disappear. And so this is a body that I'm steward over, but all of it for me is linked to eternity, right? All of it. And so begin to ask the Lord, Lord, implant eternity on my heart and spend time thinking about that. Man, think it, write down, get a notebook and paper, write down what will that day look like that you, that you stand before the Lord and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant. What do you want that encounter to look like? What does that day look like for you? Take time and write that out. Imagine it what that day is going to look like. Man, I'm going to get to see Jesus. There's going to be crowns. And I don't know exactly everything. The Bible doesn't tell us exact what everything's going to look like. I know he said he's going to prepare a place for me. What does my home look like? And I begin to make my decisions by Jesus Christ. And you never run out of steam. Your fulfillment, my pastor said it yesterday, your fulfillment is in your calling. It's in your assignment. Your fulfillment is in your assignment. So, so, Ask God to do a work in your heart. Implant eternity in your heart. This is the greatest motivation that you can find. And and take your eyes off of... A lot of times, you know, it's good to have a plan for the future, but so many people can get caught up where their eyes are only on just what they're... Like their next step, that they don't, they don't look at what they have in front of them now. I believe there's actually a skill to be learned in enjoying what you're doing today. So many people are like, you know, when it's my dream, when I'm going to be in the ministry... It's my dream when I'm going to be doing this. It's my dream. And the Lord does that so you can have something to aim towards. But at the same time, understand that the Lord is with you now. And there's joy to be had now. If you wait until you get, and we talked about it the last time, but if you wait until you get to be successful, if you wait until you're in your full calling to be happy and to rejoice and to be a person um, who is present in their day, 
man, that, what a waste. God has grace for you today. The Bible says the mercy is anew every morning. So allow yourself to enjoy it. Allow yourself to be a person of full effort and, and receive the grace that God has for you. And I'm telling you, do it all for eternity. That's a fuel that never runs dry. You can, you can, you can, I had a friend ask me, we were talking about exercise and he was reading a book about um, a gentleman who had like pushed himself, had broken his knee and was still going through hell week at, at like Marine Corps training. And he was like still going through it, right? Because he had just decided. And my friend said to me, he's like, you know, if we wanted to, I bet we could, because I was, we're, we're preparing for this half marathon. And, and uh, so we ran four miles. I said, I think I could do, I've run seven miles before. I could probably do seven or eight miles right now. And he's like, yeah, if you needed to, you could probably do 26 miles right now. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, he said, he looks at me uh, and he's like, if my wife's life was on the line, I could run 26 miles right now. And I stopped and I was like, well, yeah, I'm in the same boat. If my wife's life was on the line right now, I could run 50 miles and, and get it done. And so there's just always that reaching down. But the Lord will do the, do the work on the inside of you where you'll have a strength, a new strength to be able to reach down deep and say, it doesn't matter what this looks like. For other people may be burnt out by this. I don't get burnt out. I run off the strength of the Lord. God is building and creating people who are full of his strength, who the world looks at and says, you're crazy. How are you able to run like this? How are you able to be so joyful during this, this time of hard work? How, how are you so stress-free, but you're getting so much done? It's by the strength of God, and, and that's by him implanting eternity in your heart. Bless you guys. Love you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.